spidey senses tingling. Really big shit. He's the executive producer that has brought you such killer productions as Samurai, I Am Arai, and The Paper Keg Show. Uh, currently listening to the episode 244. He's slim. Welcome to the show. Paper Keg's journey into the 90s continues this week. MTV, you ever heard of that thing? Yeah? Animated television. How about a little book called The Max? The Max is our book club this week. The end of the show, we'll read your letters on the era. Letters at paperkeg.com. Every week, three dear amigos get together. That's us. We're playing the part of amigos in this podcast scenario. We have three hosts. You already heard my little intro from Jonesy Loves Beer. Newsletter writer, uh, which I might add, I think, I didn't see a newsletter on that Patreon uh, last week. Jonesy, can you confirm April 1st? Uh... Uh, was that a April Fool's joke, or did I just simply forget to copy and paste it oh, to the posting chamber? Posting uh, chamber. Posting <laughs> chamber. <laughs> let me, uh, let me go talk to my tech people, and I'll let you know what the holdup is with that newsletter. See if you can punch up the code with your IT I guarantee staff. I'm going to open up my Safari, and it's still going to be right there ready to post, and I just <laughs> forgot to hit the button. Uh, that host, he's a writer, obviously, he always meets his deadlines, whether it be inside the posting chamber, or a control P <laughs> didn't work. Jonesy loves beer, welcome back. Uh, thank you so much for having me, just a pleasure, uh, to be here with, uh, arguably my two best friends on this planet, wow. you know, barring my wife, you know. And uh, even though I'm sure I'm not regarded that way by at least one person in this live chat, I'm still happy to be here. Jensy <laughs> trying to throw some kind of friendship shade. As, oh, yeah. as the kids say, throw shade. Just just moments ago, he was regaling me, saying he couldn't wait to see my top knot. I can't. You know? And I now cannot he's wait. throwing this ish. Well, perhaps if you didn't reply with, I'm going to wear it in my home only, so get lost, F-boy, I would have been like, okay. (laughs) We have one remaining host uh, before I get back into a Jonesy story, which I'd love to tell. Uh, VP of Merch. He got that show post up this week, might I add. He's changing the show post game. VP of uh, Silver Fox. VP of posting that show post in the middle of a of a work workstation rebuild, might I add? Hello, <laughs> hello. Push these glasses waiting, up. Waiting for you to say while driving your car <laughs> driving home. My car. <laughs> I had the uh, the workstation monitor taped to my steering wheel. <laughs> Dale underscore A, welcome back. It is a quite a pleasure to be back. Uh, it is quite a pleasure. Can I tell you how how much of a of a of a of a of a of a a feeling it is to only have to read four comics in one week, huh? What a, a breath of refreshment air. Do you, do you, or for some people, eight. You know, <laughs> do you think the Do you think the friends of the show that have listened to this, you know, we're we're in a bubble. We're in a podcast bubble. We don't know what this show sounds like anymore. It's just the three of us. Right. Do you think there's a vibe people get? Maybe maybe they get tired of us complaining about having to read comics. Think anyone's sitting at home saying like, "Just stop doing the show, you dummies, you dum dums." 
I don't know, because I know especially like come around this time of the show when we talk about it, you like to interview us about us hating comics, but you always stay silent because you're probably aware that listeners at home would think that. I, I, you know, hopefully not. I was just implying that we've been uh, going pretty heavy, 12 to 14 issue runs the past couple weeks. It was nice to do a lighter book club this week. I love comic books, Slim, and I know you're trying to get sound clips on TMZ of me (laughs) saying it so they can stand around and drink their iced teas and waters out of sippy cups. Listen, listen to me. Not everything I do is a long troll. You know, I could just be asking a question, you know? We're in traffic. This is why the people listen, right? There's nothing in here on the radio. SoundCloud, please. about friendships Lynn. That's, that's what this expressway to your heart to your friendship heart it's about reading comics it's all ties together mm-hmm. and I hope our friends of the show want to listen to that yeah I think they do obviously I re- we've reviewed the numbers right. but speaking of you know friendship book clubs you know we had a situation this week where we didn't pick the book club until the yesterday and lo and behold Jonesy had already read a book club <laughs> out of nowhere. No, and not said out of that nowhere. He thought that we were locked in on a book club that right, we yeah. he maybe said one sentence about the the week before. Walk go us, to the walk previous. Us through this, go Jonesy. to go go through the tape. Go back to the tape, and you allude to the book we're going to do in your stinger at the end of the episode. Perhaps we'll be reborn. You know, we were all talking about, should we read this section of that series or should we read this four-issue mini? And we're all like, yeah, let's read the four-issue mini because we need a break. And then Monday afternoon, about 7 o'clock at night, well, we should really pick this book club, guys. And I'm like, oh, you mean the one that I've already read? But I don't know what. Yeah. I mean, Slim and I obviously were on the same page, Jonesy. Sure. Of course. Private text. There's no private. We don't put private text anymore. He doesn't even uh, have text on his phone anymore. You know, we don't feel like doing this book club. <laughs> Hopefully, that dumb Patsy has already read it, so we can ruin his life. And let's select a new book. And and your face. So, I mean, I'm sure when you got that notification, your face like he's effing guys. Uh, let me just reply. You know, it's just uh, I here we, we go, were locked we into a book club. I already read the we, book club. We didn't even mention the title of a mini. We had mentioned we think that there's a here. We have to see if there's a Heroes Reborn trade that we could read. Mm-hmm. Which and there was, you, and I did. You, you ma- <laughs> but there was no agreement. <laughs> uh, we were even saying like, oh, maybe we so should look, do the Fantastic Four trade. Let's look uh, into that. What about the Rival Life not, Cap? Let's right. think about this. Listen. I'm not upset. Let's just put some controls in place so that this the never control, happens again. The control again. is this is our book club for the week. Someone <laughs> says that and then we do it. Well, we need to. We need a little more notification than about 12 hours before we record. Oh my for me, word! Please. <laughs> <laughs> this is real life. Well, you're not getting it from me because evidently I don't text anybody anymore. I don't have texting on my phone. I've seen the the alluded to comments on these show posts. You know, so get I it become all out a there. social recluse. Get we'll get it out all on the air right now. You know, it's all out it's in the as open. As long as you can own it. <laughs> you know, it's only fair. All right. I'll own it. I just don't like you guys anymore. And let's there it just is. Push through. So now doesn't it feel we, better we, we, that we you have said to it? push through this? We started For the it. show. There's no more pretending. You know? <laughs> you know, I do want to uh, make a special mention for a friend of the show this week. Proto Lexus just launched. By the time this post will probably it'll be months after, but he just launched uh, his own podcast, the Philly Dev Podcast. 
you know, things that we all love. Mm-hmm. People that work with computers in Philadelphia. That's Jonesy's dream. I mean, I've walked by many computers while in the city of Philadelphia, I'm sure. And so. uh, Catcher designed the art. I think it's Catcher's best artwork ever. It's our, it's uh, show it's art. pretty legit. I mean, it's right up there with the interview with the podcast vampire. If I could be so frank, <laughs> the uh, the melding of font and words with Tom Cruise's visage is my favorite. But it's up there. It's really up there. And Protolexis is a dear friend. Yeah, shout out to him. I mean, listen to the mm-hmm. podcast, Jonesy. Like Jonesy mentioned, he's probably had his uh, four fingers inserted in some big old brass knuckles while walking through by some computers in the city of Philadelphia, oh just oh, waiting, those waiting for it to be inundated with with like gang warfare. <laughs> How about you know? Let's get back to me being a social recluse, if we can, for just a okay, moment. If you want How to. about me? Listen, I'm asking you guys to play Rocket League offline you know I'm let's ready. all get we together can play right now let's all get together hang out play rocket league radio silence you know i get led on like some floozy oh my gosh that you meet up on the streets it's just mere mere coincidence has been two weeks rough two a rough couple of weeks <laughs> you know the Max, our book club just around the corner in mere <laughs> moments. Before we break up, we'll try to, <laughs> we'll try to eat this last, ep- this last book club out. The Max. Uh, do we have any other topics? Let me see. The uh, 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 book, book club I covered. I think those are my main topics. Any big Nias out this mm. week? Comic Nias? How about CBR got sold? No way. Really? Yeah. To whom? I don't know. Some company out of Montreal I never heard of. Mm, here's here's Canadians. this is kind of going to be related to what you just brought up, Slim, about uh, comic news or any kind of news. Uh, tweeter, tweeter, the company, <laughs> tweeter, the stereo company, based out of uh, Philadelphia. Uh, no, the um, Twitter phasing out TweetDeck it will affect me in ways. I mean, I use TweetDeck at work. I think they're I, just phasing out Web TweetDeck. That's what I use. I mean, you don't goodbye. use native tweet deck. There's a native tweet <laughs> deck. I can't even get the word out. <laughs> tweet deck. <laughs> segments going down in flames. Well, what about native tweet deck? I use that every day. All right, I'll try that. I'll download it, I guess, from some app store. Mac app store. Mac app store. Okay. That's it. That's the way to go. But I'll check it out. There's nothing else. If you, if, if tweet deck goes the way of the dodo, then oh, it's man. game over for I, us. I, I use the as a matter of fact, I use the Google Chrome app. TweetDeck, and that's what I personally go to. And if that goes out the way, I will not be caught up on any sort of listed items that I have. Oh. Comic news, uh, uh, comedians, you know, um, good folk. My list of Twitter users, good folk, because I don't know what else to name it. I just put <laughs> people on that list. All that goes gone. So CBR got sold, huh? Yeah, big news. Big news in comics. I can't wait for the new owner to keep that that uh, pop up that hijacks your oh, screen every time. You, like every that time is... I click on a CBR link, I regret clicking on it. I'm like, why did I come here? I could get my news somewhere else. I think that trigger kicks in every thirty seconds. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you might be right. Never ask me again, <laughs> or just in thirty <laughs> seconds, I'll ask you again. <laughs> Uh, maybe we should get into the book club. You know, we're riding high the nineties. We got a lot of buzz around the podcast. You know, we're getting personal offline emails, people saying, you know, we love it. Keep up the nineties run. We need to keep the scene alive. So originally we wanted to do heroes reborn, but there's no easy trade. There's no like, this is the omnibus of the best of the heroes reborn. Liefeld, Jim Lee, Portasio run. Maybe we'll do like one of the books down the line, but uh, Jonesy read some kind of weird miniseries that I've, no one's ever heard of. So maybe we'll do that down the line as well. But the Max, originally from Image, re released from IDW, recolored. What is the, what is this Max, Jonesy? So the Max is. And I don't say this lightly, probably the epitome of the 1990s is the max. It's the high point. It's the peak. It's the point of the decade that after the max came out, 
it pretty much goes down the uh, the pea shoot, <laughs> if you will. My gosh, I can't say poop. My fingers are in. So the Max is this super colorful amalgam of like new age action superheroes sci-fi it's all a hodgepodge a you know heterogeneous mixture of all these elements to create one story uh the max is essentially uh, a homeless man in a in the city uh who fancies himself a superhero but maybe criminally deranged and he is uh, taken in by like a self-made social worker in quotes, and is Julia is her name. Is mm-hmm. it Julia? And Julia or Julie? Uh, Julie, excuse me, Julie. I, I, for some reason, Julia Roberts just flashed in my head. Those oh, huge yeah. horse teeth. She oh was, my god! And, uh, she was so, probably tapped to play the lead role in the Max uh, adaptation movie in, in nineteen late nineties. This episode title with apologies to Julia Roberts. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. I, she's a gorgeous woman. I can't, can't say that her teeth are large. I mean, come on. <laughs> uh, so, Julie, not Julia, nay, Julia, uh, she is like maybe had some money in the past and she cashes it in so she can kind of help the people who can't be helped by the system. And one of these people is the Max. And the antagonist of this little romp is someone called Mr. Gone, semi-mystic antagonist, and he is going to make life hard for the Max, and specifically Julie, because he knows about her alter ego. And uh, come to find out that everyone, maybe, you know, it's it's hard to say the scope, uh, has a active self-conscious uh referred to in the book as the outback and that's where like people go to retreat uh into their minds and in the outback julie is like this jungle queen and the max is like her knight in shining armor he's like her guardian and mr gone's power is that he know he knows everybody's outback so he knows everybody's connection in this other world of the uh, subconscious. So the four issues of the Max kind of serve to introduce you to these big concepts, this you know, this parallel Earth uh, that he sets up, and also just to kind of how do I don't want to say this. Also, set up these rules and then establish that the Max has zero rules. Zero storytelling uh, rules, doesn't follow any kind of trope. Uh, At times, it's clear that the book is just kind of here to be rad, (laughs) if you will. He's air quoting right uh, uh, (laughs) Thank you for uh, uh, doing the play-by-play for the listeners. I did super air quote. And uh, it's hard to determine where the Max kind of ends up after four issues, um, other than it introduces some uh, uh, additional characters into the city landscape, and then kind of makes you wonder where it's going to go from here, and are these four issues going to step into this bigger world of uh, the Outback, and uh, what is Max's relationship, and is Max really a person, or perhaps a projection of another character. Uh, interesting, mind-bending stuff. Uh, probably one of the most best-colored books I've ever seen. Uh, it's to the max. It's max in, maximum in your face. It's 1990s at its best. It is the max. It's uh, Julia Roberts' teeth, if you, <laughs> as it were. Jonesy, I mean, I'm sure you'll agree with me I'm there. I'm pretty sure they used a picture of her for the Max's mask. That's right. <laughs> Sam Keith was just like watching Pretty Woman one day. Wow. I gotta or have that Julia in the comic Roberts. book. With apologies to Julia Roberts, we must <laughs> continue on. I'm sure Julia Roberts does not care one iota She's with listening. some fat we know, we know Julia listens. Thanks. J-Rob. We call her mm-hmm. offline. Yeah. Just let me go ahead and uh, 
I mean, Ocean's Eleven was another great Julie movie, you know? Set the stage. Me over Jimmy Corson's house. (laughs) The weekend. (laughs) Addicted to uh, late night MTV. Hoping beyond a hope. To, uh, to catch any sort of new episode in the, in, in the weekend run of Liquid Television on MTV. Okay? Uh, it was pretty much an every weekend thing I would watch Liquid Television, realizing that I don't know when I started watching Liquid Television, but there were no new episodes of anything MTV ever aired on Liquid Television. Uh, maybe I caught the first run of the Max, but... Otherwise, I had seen every episode of The State, and they played every episode of The State. The Flux, The Max, they played it all over and over again, and I was there to witness it. And... And here we are. And I am proud to say, 35-year-old man, uh, crow's feet next to his eyes, uh, the heart. Actually, I'm looking at you. Untrue. You have no courage. The heart of a 58 year old. Um, I understood the max more now, grown a man, than I ever did before, and that makes me feel good inside. Real good inside. So you you enjoyed the the four issues that we read uh, mere moments ago. You finished. Uh. It, I got it more. I see. I didn't not enjoy it. <laughs> I can say that. I didn't. I mean, I didn't. Jonesy said the colors, the art and the colors are amazing. Gorgeous stuff. Um, Sam Keith's range of like drawing this weird angular but curvy Max figure with, you know, the voluptuous Julie character against the 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 detailed grungy city. I mean, it's gorgeous stuff. And I kind of like dug what he was, the story he's starting to tell with it. I'm not sure if I, I did. I'm not sure if I loved it, but I really liked it. Yeah. The art I feel like is one of the best drawn trades. I think we've ever done. Like I think Sam Keith's, Mm-hmm. Art style is just otherworldly. It's gorgeous. Every page is beautiful, and the style, the styling of the Max is gorgeous. You know, the women he draws are gorgeous. The layouts of the pages are amazing. Yeah, they're like, what are they? Swamp thing. Uh, yeah, you could say. Yeah, I think there's there's definitely planning involved in yeah. the layouts that he did. The layouts you, you are can't crazy. really say that about a lot of artists mm-hmm. but the story i i just it wasn't it didn't feel like 90s like i read the the max was it the maximized version the one that idw put out that's recolored mm-hmm. it didn't feel 90s ish i'm not sure if the recoloring helped that for me when the story didn't feel too 90s ish the story though i had trouble connecting with and I don't know if this was the part that was very dated for me, but like, there's just a lot of rape. <laughs> there's a lot of yeah, rape. Way too much. Where I mean, like, there's a woman in the you know the the first introduction to the Max. There's a woman traced down into an alley, and he saves her, but gets arrested, and then he gets carted away. And then the woman that he saved, the cops don't even see in the shadows. And she gets kidnapped and raped and mutilated. And then there's another rape that happens in like issue two mm-hmm. with this woman in the dry cleaners. And the main female character you're led to believe at some point has been raped. There's just there's just a lot of rape. Like it, it was like, like I, f- I just felt like really uncomfortable reading it, to be there, honest. I feel like there was a problem in the nineties where to make your comic feel like it was adult or that it was to be taken seriously is to have a character get raped. Mm. And I just feel, you know, yeah, I think, and I think it was also a, 
um, a tool used to like set the stage of how bad the city was or something. Mm-hmm. Like it, that's yeah, the yeah. only tool that you can use to establish the fact that the you know alley crime alley in your city is just like so bad because everyone gets raped in it or something. And I think like issue three, there was like a hint where the villain was saying to the Max that, and I think I was obviously wrong because the the alternate reality is the Outback. But like the alternate reality, I kind of misinterpreted it as him saying that the present day was the alternate reality and Mm -hmm. the Max was living this manifestation of his fantasy world. So I, he was the superhero. For like a brief second, it felt like, okay, maybe maybe the Max is living his fantasy world where he's a superhero and everything is turned up to 11, where like his job are to, is to save women in need. And I was like, okay, maybe in this crazy sci-fi or su- like super fantasy world, this is the world that he thinks he would need to be in as a superhero and all the women are getting, you know, sexually assaulted. I was like, uh, maybe. Mm-hmm. But then I think, it, obviously, you know, I went on the wiki. I tried to avoid the wiki because we only read four issues. Yeah. And reading the wiki, I was like, you know, maybe this is one where we should have read the two trades because yeah, and maybe agree. you guys dug in a little bit deeper and I'm not saying that this erases the, you know, the the trope that happened like almost four times in the first four issues. But apparently the Julie character was raped and she created this outback world as a, as her like safe zone to escape the drama of, or the trauma rather Mm -hmm. of being sexually assaulted. Yeah. So in the, in the outback, I mean, so does she view like in, in the real world, if the Max exists, did she choose the Max to be her protector, or does the Max, ex- like Jonesy kind of says, does the Max exist at all in either world? I mean, in the real world, or is that just a manifestation too? I feel like part of the mat, like part of the superhero nature of the book, is that she is able to bring that manifestation back to our world. I think that exists. I think that part is not psychological. And I think that, and and listen, I'm not detracting from the book and there are a ton of people who love the Mac, so I'm not, you know, transmitting anybody right now. But I think one of the major flaws in this storytelling is that it tries so hard to have no rules. Yeah. Like it tries so hard for to not be a comic book. You can't figure me out. You know, this is something you're, you know, that it, to the detriment of its own story that's trying to tell. Because at some point as a reader, you do want some kind of establishment so you can follow the story. And that's not really given to you here. Yeah. And so, if, and at best, it's super clunky, what, like, with Max trying to kind of voice out loud or Mr. Gone trying to voice out loud, like, what's happening when they're transitioning between worlds like it's almost awkward but it's the only way maybe sam keith could figure out how to give you something right and that it's unfortunate because having the villain be the exposition all the time takes the bite out of him as a villain like i don't feel like there's any stakes here it's just kind of like a rollicking like psychedelic mushroom trip which is cool i mean I can understand the allure of that and how, especially in the 90s in, in comic books, it was so fundamentally different from everything you were reading. I mean, the attraction is, I mean, right there. I mean, that's what attracted readers to it, and I get it. But as a you know, 34-year-old who doesn't really remember the Max from the cartoons only a little bit, I kept thinking he was Maul from Wildcats. <laughs> like, whenever I would see it, like the promotional images, you know... Uh, so I get, but now I get like I really get it, and I get why people were drawn to it. But trying to be an objective reader without all that nostalgia, like kind of sitting shotgun with you, it's very hard to follow. And uh, like the the main villain, the guy who does the exposition, is a serial rapist. And it right there's a character, the character of Sarah, kind of this writer that meets the Max in the fourth issue 
tells a story. The whole issue is kind of like a flashback or her telling a story about her life and how she's connected to the Max. And I mean, she's another female character that gets debuted, but like literally the the main negative thing that happened to her life was like, did you do you remember what the flashback? She tells a story about how she's also with this other kind of social recluse and he pulls kind of like a carry prank on her going to the prom with her where it's hard to tell in the story but what i piece together is he like told her to like get naked in some room and then it turned out that that room was where the prom or party was so everyone saw her like ready to have sex with this guy and then she almost like killed him after do you remember like were you able to piece together what that was no, that was the fourth issue was the hardest of all four really for me to follow. And that's because he trades art for like so many words per page, like through the book. So like you really have to sit back and try to reread it over and over again. And sometimes I don't feel that like the panels match what he's trying to tell you. So it the fourth issue was a gobbledygook mm. uh, of what had come before. It was very, very hard to piece together this story. Mm. Yeah, the, that's the vibe I got, Slim, by trying to, I think the one teeny tiny piece of the panel in particular was like her on all fours with her rump, her bare rump like out, yeah. but the thumbnail was so small. But that's the only, like, that's the only thing I could kind of catch was implying what he did to her to embarrass her and stuff because not a whole lot of time was spent on her being exposed or made fun of in any way Mm -hmm. so you just kind of like kind of go along with it right yeah i mean i think we've we've talked about this like the last maybe like we've talked about a ton about how books were you know we have different interpretations of book depending on what age we were when we first started reading it like you know having read this if I had read this at the same time of Executioner's Song, mm-hmm. you know, I might remember just the art of this and just having maybe a high regard for the book. But now reading it, I mean, there's, I mean, this is, and, and people love the Max, and maybe Volume Two is like it really turns around and turns it into this great interpretation of how women handle sexual assault. You know, and this is how they deal, or this is how certain women deal with sexual assault and depression. But the first four issues are only what we read, and it just felt like, uh, you know, every female character introduced in this book was either getting raped, has been raped, or embarrassed in front of an entire school sexually. Like it just, like it literally, yeah. just maybe it felt uncomfortable reading it. I wish, especially any of the friends of the show who like the max means a lot to them. Well, like, drop us a line and try to help us out here. I th- so if you listen and you love the Max, you know, tweet, you know, Max yes. No. Okay. Uh, <laughs> what was the last time you did a uh, a vote? What was that vote for? I think it was a book club. I don't remember what it was. I have the no fake idea. vote that we got, like, one tweet from. <laughs> right? Is that what you're talking about, Slim? Like, somebody actually like, tweeted If we it? search hashtag Jonesy yes on Twitter... Yeah. we might see what what that was for. I mean, uh, please don't. This is just this is, you know, I'm I don't I'm not to say that this is the definitive opinion of this book. You know, I could be very wrong. Maybe there's a you know, as the story goes on, you know, maybe it comes full circle and it mm-hmm. has this wonderful storytelling aspect of how these worlds were created and how they consoled their own grief. I don't know, but this is just my interpretation of the first four issues. Yeah, and it's what I think is a shame is that we the the new remaxed editions are broken broken down into four issues per volume. So the allure of reading the first volume only was so tempting, but I think we could have done well with reading at least the first the next volume and maybe even the third or something, just to get like a real taste. Because I mean the. Uh, the Max, the the OG storyline with the Max and Julie were only the first three issues, and then you had this side issue with Sarah, I think, and and Max. So it was like we only got a, a real, we only got to dip our toes into this really funky world. So it's not enough. It wasn't a, enough that you know these uh these scenarios that these girls were in were like very unsatisfying. It's the fact that half of 50% of the book is Max like being forced into the outback through like 
not by his own cognition and he's like dealing with that so it's like very it's a very chopped up sampling but um i mean i i think we could go back and maybe do another one for another show maybe mm-hmm. but only because to satisfy our own curiosities but it's such a like it's such a good i remember i don't remember reading the i think i read the first issue back in the day I remember plenty of like wizard trading cards that were like in the center of the book, which were amazing and like holiday cards, like holiday trading cards from wizard or whatever. But the uh, series on MTV, I remember, I mean, it was just wild. I couldn't even understand it. And actually I went back before the show tonight and I listened to the intro. I played the intro and Mr. Gone narrates the intro to the show. And it's pretty like, he really tells you what's going on. Like we hmm. could use him for the show if you want me to. It's a minute long if you want me to play it. I think that you should. It's pretty interesting and it's pretty clarity. like kind of like dead on. Like if you're trying to inter- our interpretation of the book, and if you if you look on YouTube for the Max uh, animation, it's staggeringly good and like panel for panel. Most of us inhabit at least two worlds. The real world, where we're at the mercy of circumstance, and the world within, the unconscious. A safe place where we can escape. The Max shifts between these worlds against his will. Here, homeless, he lives in a box in an alley. The only one who really cares for him is Julie Winters, a freelance social worker. But in Pangea, the other world, he rules the Outback and is the protector of Julie, his jungle queen. There, he cares for her, but he always ends up back in the real world. And me, old Mr. Gone, <laughs> only I can see that the secret which unites them could destroy them. I could be helpful. Ah, screw it. I think I'll have some fun with them first. <laughs> I mean the I'm just watching the animation. The animation is so so good. It's amazing that, the colors. Can you imagine the pitch meeting where they're like, so we had this character who goes back and forth from the self-conscious to the real world. Okay, that's great. Fill me in on the details. Well, let's just make an episode first. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. And then you're you've bought it. Sorry. But I but I picture like in my head Whoever who's working at MTV, like, and is put in charge of programming Liquid Television, they maybe they read comics or something. This and like these young guys are trying to like not wear suits while programming this TV channel, and they're probably just like trying to get a hold of Sam Keith because this is like perfect. It because it, they're like twelve minute episodes. I mean, this is perfect for that block. For that block, this, this is the epitome of the wear T-shirt to work generation. I think the Max. But did we ever? Did we talk about the Spawn animated series for this podcast? Oh yeah, it's fantastic, and we should probably do a special episode. Yeah. We never did a special oh, ep. I mean, we talked about it, but we've never done a special ep mm. for it. That was like mm. one of the. Uh, I mean, I definitely bought that on VHS when it came out, but when, that was like one of the first. As soon as that DVD came out, scoop that DVD up, son. <laughs> <laughs> I remember the uh, book it. X Men animated series VHS is from Pizza Hut. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, man. Out of the kids. God, I you know you want something just to satisfy your hunger. Uh-huh. Domino's Pizza. Man I think alive. It was, might have been actually Pizza Hut. Pizza Wait, what? Oh yeah, sorry, Pizza Hut. I think I said that the first time. You did. But uh, both the both best tape was the uh, Cold Ventions slash Mutant Island. <laughs> Uh, double feature where you got Wolverine and uh, Sabretooth in the Eskimo Village. Oh, yeah. Mm. And then the next episode was Gambit, Storm, and Jubilee with the uh, on Genosha with the uh, dampening collars. How depressing was it for Wolverine? He goes to Alaska and he's remember that one scene where he like realizes he needs to go to fight Sabretooth? He's like, All I wanted was peace. Is that too much for me? You have to go back to the tape and watch him actually put on his costume. Because he doesn't put his arms through the holes, remember? Yeah, exactly. 
that, that, uh, that was like the worst thing to ever happen in that show in my mind when I watched it. <laughs> what he just pulled down over his neck and his shirt was on. Yeah, it didn't make any sense. <laughs> and if you wanted to get away from the X-Men, why bring your X-Men Gear? suit? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. How about that poor villager that he showed up? Remember, like, the guy that thought he was hot stuff in that village and Wolverine is, like, carrying yeah. 10,000 fish over his shoulders? Yeah, really. He's punking that guy down. Poor guy. Guy probably killed himself. And how quickly that guy resorts to murder by pushing Wolverine <laughs> out into the ice. They don't have law out there. You I know. know. Nobody's it's every gonna, man for himself. Nobody's bound to catch him. I mean, two hundred thousand words for ice, no words for law. <laughs> so there you have it. The Max Volume One, issues one through three, controversial. Mm. The Max. The art, though, man. We got your letters. Man. I'm gonna open them up. Farrington's gonna read them to you. To you. Letters at paperkeg.com. You shoot us a letter, we might read it on that. Uh, only one letter this week, uh, but it carries a lot of substance. And the subject is underscore reco. And the message reads, underscore Recco, thumbs up emoji. Best thing you've ever come up with. Better than being underscored. Lots of love, Catcher. Wow. So Catcher being the unofficial legitimizer Mm -hmm. of the underscore Recco. Not sure what kind of money changed hands. Catcher, uh, brand for that letter to be supplied. Catcher, brand creator, brand manager, uh, think tank contributor. This guy knows things. Something's Catcher. going on there. No, I think we should get to the bottom of it, Gen Z. There's you... definitely some canoodling that happened. No, uh, high fiving uh, when I see him in the Adirondack Mountains. Yeah. Oh boy, I barely came yeah. out of my. Somebody switched to the DM mouth. slide on their Twitter app. It was like, "Hey, Probably you guys could gotcha. uh, go ahead and uh, quickly follow Catcher on Twitter. C T C H E R, big underscore Reco coming his way from uh, me." <laughs> That bumper that's was like planned. The Col- that's like the Colbert bump. <laughs> you know, once you get the underscore reco, minute, my dog is aware of somebody at that front door. I just underscore recoed your dog, so that's why, yep. you know. I mean, I might actually have to go run downstairs. I don't know what he's barking at. What a show. Next week, we don't know yet. We'll see. We'll, we'll see next week. Busting that door behind. We you. always said, you know, paper keg would go. <laughs> Two hundred forty-four episodes. That <laughs> was always our plan. Goodbye. You know, if you guys were to get saucy and play Rocket League tonight, I could make it happen for both of you. You know, or whatever. You know, no pressure. I mean, you know, I'm I could be available for some time. You know, yeah. You know, we don't. Have, I don't have to guilt you guys in playing Rocket League tonight. You know. We just go at our own pace. Oh gosh. You know, we try to have go you, Thursdays every week. Have you not Klasky learned that boys. Dale does nothing after guilt? Does nothing. And guilt does not motivate <laughs> this man. nothing, only guilt inside that 56-year-old man heart. Uh, it's uh, it's one of you the know, things that, that I age three times the pace of a normal human because of it. I'm going to go quick look downstairs because he was barking at the front door just yeah, to make sure ahead. no one's, no okay, one's breaking Okay, we're going to talk about Batman v Superman while you're gone. <laughs> so, Dale, <laughs> you saw no. BVS. No, no, I didn't. Uh, no, you did not. No, I didn't. Oh man, I uh, actually, else. I'm uh, theoretically, hypothetically, I'll be going tomorrow after work to see. Yeah, you know, I looked. I looked at the numbers. Yeah, uh, it dropped to like 15 million the next Friday or something like that. Really? I mean, it's doing it's doing well. I think it crossed the 700 million mark, 
but like it was a huge drop off from like opening weekend to the next. That's a pretty big drop off. That's fifty million for the second weekend. That's yeah. It got some bad, I think, Rotten Tomato mm. reviews. Like I don't know. I'm making a number up. Fifteen percent. It was like a low. You know. You went by yourself to see it. I did. Amazing. I did. It was one of those strange moments where it's like. Uh, yeah, I had, uh, my family was away the week before and I was just doing like crazy amounts of overtime at work. Well, I say overtime, like I get paid for it, but, uh, and then I try, you know, my family's on here. I try to hit all three Kung Fu classes during the week. So it was like work and like nine hours of Kung Fu workouts a week. So it was like Friday night was my one open mm-hmm. night. So I was like, you know, I'm by myself. I did all my chores. I did my honeydew list. Let's just go to like a, a like 1130 show not realizing I wouldn't get out till close to three in the morning. <laughs> so, but, you know, I, I'll save my comments to you. I mean, but that's next. that'll be okay for when we see Cap 3. Yeah. That, like that yeah, kind of sacrifice. I've, is, I've proven my stamina yeah. is there for a three-hour midnight show. Absolutely. Actually, seeing this movie makes me very excited for uh, Cap 3 because it's like, I feel like this is probably going to get it right. You know what I mean? I think we're talking about Batman versus Superman. Yeah, I mean, it nailed it. Batman vs Superman. I think uh, I think it was a crowded movie, but Batfleck was phenomenal. I mean, every scene, every scene he was in, were, in my opinion, the best scenes of the movie were the Batman scenes. What do you think about Batman mowing down those criminals with machine guns? Uh, I put that in the same. I put that in the same box as the first Man of Steel movie. Not for me, but I think uh, Affleck is able to balance the scales emotionally for me as his like broken Bruce Wayne. There's a line, there's a couple lines I think that they steal right from The Dark Knight Returns. Like when he's like, um, I hope the next generation of the Wayne family, uh, you know, doesn't inherit an empty wine cellar. But at the rate we're going, there won't be a next generation. Like Mm. that's right from issue one. Mm of the Dark Knight Returns. I mean, there's just so many homages and Ben Affleck mm. honors the source material extremely well. Zach, Zack Snyder gets it. You know, we all know uh, that. He gets look, it. I think a Ben Affleck directed, <laughs> ben, I almost said Batman, ben. but Ben Affleck <laughs> directed movie <laughs> with him as an existential Bruce Wayne doing maybe, you know, Name a name a great Batman detective story. Adam West, where oh. he's a detective. You know what I mean. And we're gonna get a fascinating movie. You know. You know this good. is this isn't a spoiler, but I think my favorite part about Batman, Bruce Wayne, was that he didn't live in the mansion and he lived yeah uh, in an offshoot. He had like a he had like a lake house. Yeah, he had a really sexy yeah. lake house. Uh, yeah, that was the, his father's house, and he didn't feel he belonged there. Crazy good stuff. Dale, there was a uh, scene not unlike Gladiator walking through the wheat fields, <gasps> oh, my where gosh. he's walking through the Wayne wheat fields into the vicinity of the decaying Wayne mansion. Father to a murdered child, <laughs> husband to a murdered wife. I, mean, I almost lost it during that. I one. will my have pants my pants flew across the uh, theater. Embrace me, brother. Great. Maybe we should just watch Gladiator for a for a bigger keg, uh, <laughs> movie up based on the comic of the same name, <laughs> unpublished, unpublished <laughs> fanzine. I mean, the ending of that movie—that's Hans, isn't it? That's Hans Zimmer. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. God, that's that's a gorgeous Jeez. movie. Remember that yeah, when he buries the ancestral figures of the Maximus clan or whatever it is oh my goodness wow and his uh, friend completely full circle I forget his friend's name but and he like tells him he can go to uh, he can go to his family now uh, and he's like looking he's like looking forward to getting back to his family because he's alive and his family's alive and he's like getting ready for the long journey home and the, the, that music Effing music about when he like. I looked at my own virtues, father, but none of mine were on your list. <laughs> when was the last time you saw Gladiator, Joseph? Uh, ambition was one of them. I don't know. It had to be God ten years ago. No about way. when he uh, 
That movie, I mean, I've seen that movie a ton of times. How about when he's like, he finds his family, you know, and they're all oh, strung up. And he just hugs their and feet. And he hugs them, and his like tear juices like connect oh. to his ashy wife's burned foot and is like mm-hmm. attaching to it when he like pulls away. Wow. Bad A moment when uh, he's like getting free and the guy's kind of like trying to get his sword out and he's like the frost. Sometimes it makes the blade stick and then he stabs the guy in like the chest with the blunt end of the sword. Oh yeah, give it to me again. Do it, do it one more time. I feel like Gladiator falls into the realm of Aerosmith where there's just like a chest of Jonesy's loves that we've (laughs) unlocked just now that have been hidden for many years. The 1990s, early 2000s love chest. (laughs) It's got my Aerosmith tapes because I had it on tape at that uh, that old Toyota. Mm. and uh, my Gladiator DVD, probably my original Matrix DVD before they made those awful sequels. <laughs> that was probably like the, the everybody in our, at least in our generation, that was the first DVD probably everybody bought. I think my Matrix. first DVD yeah. was Contact and Austin Powers. That was when I, that was the Contact time frame I got my first movie. DVD player. Austin Powers would have been at one of mine too. It might have been my first, yeah. That was Jerry that... Foster could not make anything less than a hit. It was that it was... or um, the movie with it's a movie with Christina Ricci and Lyle Lovett. What was that movie? <laughs> that sounds terrible. Uh, AKA the I worst think... movie ever made. Yeah. I'm trying to remember. <laughs> it was definitely the Matrix for me because I got it bundled with the Sony DVD player, and then. I went and bought From Russia with Love because it's my favorite James Bond movie. God, how many I, how many versions on DVD have those Bond movies had? Like uh, it, probably just un- on DVD, it's got to be four or five. Uncountable. And the, I really wanted the Blu-ray because I wanted the uh, uh, the jacket art. It's like a uh, it's the gun barrel sequence mm-hmm. with like a you know, like just like the uh, negative space Bond in like the middle. And I think the Blu-ray, when it first came out, was like $140 for which is essentially 20 movies. Good grief. I mean, come on. Get out of here. Mm, I mean, I wanted it. I just didn't buy it. I remember uh, eventually I bought a DVD-R, DVD Plus R, DVD-RW player, Mm -hmm. so I could record my shows instead on VHS onto DVD-R. That thing was the biggest piece of junk. (laughs) It worked like 50% of the time. Really? It was, I used to tape episodes of The Apprentice, a tape. I used to record them onto DVD-R. Barely wow. ever worked. It was, ugh. My father bought a, I want to say like a Panasonic 32-disc changer. So like we could do yard work and he could just pump his music <laughs> out in the back. Mm-hmm. And it jammed so frequently that like you know in our You're old like house in and like, out of the house just try unjamming right so at our old house we uh we had a uh, wood stove they like he the house so like during the summer my father would bring like these just cords and cords of wood home and we would chop it like every saturday we'd mow the lawn and just like all i remember of my, my child is just chopping a million pieces of wood and he would put that cd player and turn the speakers on the back windows and it would jam and he would just go into this cursing stream of just like I don't know why I ever bought this piece of ass I could walk into the GD house and change your CD so that you you would just wait and then the music would turn on sometimes you get like halfway down the yard and it would stop again god that's, that's Jonesy and I man god we live the same exact life wood <laughs> chopping wood Ugh. chopping wood with, in my household, my stepdad would have been, played uh, a lot of Hank Williams Jr., a lot of yeah, Randy was, Travis. Uh, I probably, even though I'm not a fan, can well, sing you every it. word to Garth Brooks's first, second, and third mm-hmm. album because I've heard them so far. Well, I love it, the country star. <laughs> I did look up that movie. It was the opposite Dwight of Dwight Yoakam. Uh, which I most likely probably bought because it was 1998. Probably trying to see Christina Ricci's boobs in some fashion. <laughs> With apologies to Christina Ricci. Right. Yeah, this I mean, that's a different man. Different man now. I remember when I worked at West Coast Video, 
Do you remember when they, when this was when DVD was like first starting to hit and we had, I think we had separate sections for DVD and VHS. Like there was a different section or oh yeah or i can't remember if that happened first or we just we eventually merged them together it was like this weird dynamic between dvd yeah. and vhs and i remember in those video stores we used to get those like catalogs where you order the the movies from like the distributor mm-hmm. those movies were like expensive when you yeah. would buy them from the distributor yeah they those were CDs, super maybe expensive like 50 60 like dollars government maybe prices. or something like that yep and it made no sense it didn't. It didn't sense. make any sense. No. Yeah, I think I think amazing. when uh, when I was at West Coast, um, I think they were combined. No, that at, f- at first there was like a tiny DVD section, and just everything was right there in like the one bookshelf-sized rack because it was only that many. And then like eventually, like when new releases would come out, like Wet Hot American Summer or something, mm. like the VHSs and the DVDs would be just in right next to each other, kind of. You know what the hottest thing was, and this probably was a big driving force for DVD, was obviously the TV box sets, but The Sopranos. That was like the hottest oh, yeah. rental we we had at that at that store. Really? Yeah. I bet. I guess in paying like the $15 a month for, or whatever it was, probably like $70 a month for HBO back yeah. then. Why? Well, I'm just trying rent. to think of what the money was, the rental cost was. Like, I, I can't remember if we broke up the seasons into I, i'm trying to think of how we broke up those discs like sopranos season one disc one and then that was like five bucks or something like that it had Happy. to have been right i guess so because you're still getting like, two three episodes on a disc yeah yeah, you, yeah. four max right four mm-hmm. max yeah yeah those were those were hot s back then can you but can you i mean can you just imagine like for some reason, you only rented the first disc, and you come back the next day, and there's no disc two in. Well, that's what I'm thinking. Maybe like, we rented out the whole season, and maybe there was a season maybe. price. Because I'm trying to think. I feel like either that's a great deal, or I, I don't. You know. would go crazy if you couldn't like get a hold of the disc two or three yeah. for a couple of days. Yeah, that'd be nutty. I feel like it might have been the whole thing. And I remember people coming in like, is Sopranos back in yet? Sopranos? I don't, yeah. don't want to watch that season. Because some J-bag got the whole season disc and just didn't watch it for like a month. Right. And we used to charge those those late fees. Mm-hmm. As ludicrous. Probably one of the biggest scams fees. in history, those late fees. Uh, there's some weird, uh, like, probably fake number figure where like Blockbuster was like 60% of their revenue towards like the later years was just late fees. Mm-hmm. You know what I was uh, trying looking at the prices for because uh, James wanted to play Titanfall, but um, mm, Amanda's yeah. Amanda's squ- squirrely on him going online. I was looking at prices for Halo, and I I I must have missed a sale last week where Halo Five was like thirty five bucks, and now Ooh. it's back up to like sixty bucks. Oh man, brutal! That is brutal. Jeez. The um, I think for. Xbox Gold members this month, or right now, I think the um, that Fables game, that Telltale game, hmm. The Wolf Among Us, I think. Those That's games get crazy high ratings. Yeah, they do. I, I downloaded it, but I haven't played it yet, obviously. Aren't The Walking Dead, like, aren't those games kind of like almost point and click a little bit? Yeah. Like you tell it to go there and mm-hmm. et cetera. They're if super it's something brutal. like the Game of Thrones games. Yeah, it is. It's like, uh, you know, here's three scenarios. Which scenario do you pick? Then the action plays out, and then it could be mid-action. It's like, all right, do you punch this guy in the face or take out his knee? Okay, take out his knee, and then that, you know, that leads to... So it's not real action as much as it is interactive storytelling. Hmm. I mean, they're, they're still really good. I mean, the first... Uh, my wife got me the three-pack for Christmas, and I finally finished the first one. Where Dale, you remember you you play like uh, House uh, Forester, Forester. So like you and you have like some background mysticism that's going to help the uh, the war of the uh, Nine Kings. So like you're like the orphan of that house because it gets attacked, and that kind of sets off this whole story. Then I think the next one switches to the Lannisters, and you're pretty much a King's Landing for the duration of that story. It's fr- it's really cool. 
and they're not super expensive, and it's a good way to kill. I mean, the game I think I think was only maybe like five hours. It wasn't very long, mm-hmm. but I mean, it had me on the edge of the seat the entire time I played it because you like. It's one of those games where it's like choose your own adventure. If you pick one path, you know the story kind of unfolds you as this like pretty lawful good character, but then you can make gray choices, and then of course you can go full, you know, Cersei Lannister and start just lying and conniving, and it's cool. It's mm-hmm. neat. So what's what's the vibe on Rocket League? We getting two games in before bed? We, do we have any energy um, in left in us? I still? mean, that's eight minutes. Is two games, so I'm down. Yeah, I mean, I if three games. Yeah, if the, yeah, I think if the, all three of us are in, then I'm in. Let's do it. Let's shut this equipment right. down. Let's stop. Let's stop and oh. record on our podcast. <laughs>